to some new faces and all the old faces, you don't look old, you are just old. <coughs> um, we are in ordinary time, which is a good way to describe it because that's how it feels. That nothing extraordinary happens. Um, unlike the end of the year and the beginning of the year where lots of things happen at once in the Christian calendar. I mean, you may have birthdays up the wazoo in August, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Jesus stuff. So ordinary time is a good way to call it, but another word for it is kingdom time, which is, um, well, why, we, why do you think we call it kingdom time? Because Jesus came to establish the kingdom of God and um, news, newsflash, he left it in our hands when he left. So leaving as an ascending to heaven, not left the building. Well, he did leave the building. Okay, so kingdom time is a is also a good way to describe it because it's a it feels a little more active. Ordinary time, ordinary can feel like lazing around. Ordinary Sundays, where kingdom time hopefully is a little bit more it can be a little bit more active because it's about the kingdom of God. Um, these two you know because we are hashtag awesome. Um, our mottos: love Jesus, love others. It's as simple and as very very difficult as that. So those you know, those you're going to see a few times more over the coming weeks. Um, we want to help you remember that. Uh, we learned from the best. Jesus had to repeat almost everything three times at least. And then the disciples also didn't necessarily hear it or remember it. So love Jesus, love others. Um, we're not going to start with the... We're going to start with the Gospel of Facebook. <coughs> which is probably an interesting place to start. You'd think that we start with the gospel of <coughs> Jesus. But why do we go to that? You can show us thanks. Um, I hope everybody knows that face. Uh, that's Mark Zuckerberg. And as do most tech companies, uh, IT companies, big companies, they have all of their speeches and keynotes and things this time of year, before the start of the new academic year in America. They also had their, he had his keynote speech. They call it the Community Summit. And what's really interesting is that he started off by saying how wonderful churches were. Um, churches were great. He thanked churches. He said, you, you guys were fantastic. Why were they fantastic? Because they helped to provide support in the community and they helped to um, get people to volunteer. So they were inspiring. They got us together and they got us to give uh, with the, the focus on the past tense they helped because there had been for the last few decades memberships in churches we know this we felt this in churches but in all kinds of your normal associations membership has fallen with at least 25 percent if not more at the least 25 percent and that's where Facebook steps in he says he says that they've declined, but that's a lot of people who need to find a sense of purpose and support somewhere else. So the interesting thing is that the need hasn't changed. We still, we still need the connection, we still need the support, we still need a sense of belonging. But lots of people have probably just decided they're not going to be, they're not going to 
worry about what other people think or what their mother and father think, and they just leave the church because the church doesn't give it to them, the sense of belonging. So what they've done with Facebook, especially the last, you've probably seen this in your feed if you're a Facebooker, you don't even necessarily have to be that serious on Facebook. They have started giving you suggestions for groups as this is one of the ways that they get you involved. And it's been very successful. More than 50% of the people on Facebook, and remember eight out of 10 people have got Facebook. More than 50% of them have started joining at least one, maybe more groups, and have started actively participating in these groups. So that's the gospel of Facebook. And they're not the only ones, it's uh, ironic. At one stage, we decided we need to run the church like a business. We need to be efficient. So we got all sorts of business practices and we started running the church like that. And now businesses are running like the church is supposed to run. Because most companies, Mark Zuckerberg at least is honest about it, other companies do exactly the same thing, but they just don't call it that. They invest in social capital. What is social capital? It's the power of a group. It's about the power of in people investing in your, in your movement. And they've got six things that they build on, which cause people to invest in your, which gives you social capital, which makes you rich in terms of people joining. And those six, six things are community, personal transformation, social transformation, purpose finding, creativity, and accountability. This should sound familiar to you. You are supposed to have heard this before. But so these are the things that they work with. And if you do this, if you use these aspects, you build communities. You, you've seen this with, well, Facebook has seen this with their groups. Because the groups are all about things like that. It's all about community, yes, but it might be about how you transform personally, socially. We see it in our own lives as well, where different groups become, they're, they're an important part of our life. Um, unfortunately with me here, let's use Nick as an example. Uh, Nick is better as an example, and Pierre was a good example. CrossFit is a thing that people do. And it's very interesting that in CrossFit you've actually got almost religious language, and things happen religiously. You've got saints, military guys, that you do workouts, that, that you have what would you say? You, um, it's not honoring them, it's in honor of this or that military hero, you will have this or that workout. You have guys who lead you as disciples to make sure you do it the right way and not hurt yourself or somebody else. Um, you, have, you, have to, you have to take part in it, you can't just be there, you have to be there and take part. There are lots of things that, and that CrossFit is just one example, all of us have different places where they fulfill almost the same role as a religious group would have, the church would have. How do we bring this back to where we're at in terms of the kingdom of God, in terms of what we're supposed to be doing? What did I do with my phone? Thanks. I thank you. Sarl is the same because he brought my phone. Okay. Um, this is where you go back to Luke. Um, we're going to read from Luke 19. I'm going to show it to you on the board because you might not have the Good News translation on your phone. I don't think the Bibles that are... 
What are the Bibles that are here, the translation? Do you know? Is it NIV? Okay. So, we are going to read from Luke 19. Uh, those of you that saw the that saw the title saw it said Kingdom of God equals looking up. And Francho was very sharp beforehand and he said, what about looking down or looking sideways? We'll get to that. So we're reading Jesus and Zacchaeus. Jesus went on into Jericho and was passing through. There was a chief tax collector there named Zacchaeus who was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was a little man, very little man, not jock, and could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead of the crowd and climbed a sycamore tree to see Jesus, who was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Hurry down, Zacchaeus, because I must stay in your house today. Zacchaeus hurried down and welcomed him with great joy. All the people who saw it started grumbling. This man has gone as a guest to the home of a sinner. And then they would obviously spit as well, because that's what you do if you said the word sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Listen, sir, I will give half my belongings to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone, I will pay back four times as much. Jesus said to him, Salvation has come to this house today, for this man also is a descendant of Abraham. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. To place this into context, this is the last little bit of Jesus walking from Galilee to Jerusalem and we all well I hope all of us know what happens in Jerusalem so this is his last bit of teaching the chapter before this in Luke 18 we've got a lot of stories about prayer and how prayer should work that prayer can be like an old lady who keeps nagging a judge who then says my gosh if the nagging can just end I'll give this lady exactly what she wants you have the story of the Pharisee and the, um, well, like this guy, the tax collector, praying together in the temple and who's heard. Lots of stories about what the kingdom is. The kingdom is like kids coming to Jesus. Kids were not allowed to come near you because they were, they were a little bit better than your cattle, uh, but they were still your property. They were not, they were really to be not even seen, never mind heard. So you're supposed to, to, be, to become a part of the kingdom, you're supposed to become like a child. And then he has, this is his last act before he goes into Jerusalem and is welcomed and then cleanses the temple and then everybody starts getting unhappy because this is not the Messiah they were looking for. I think it starts when you start throwing around tables in the temple. That's when they start thinking this might not be exactly what we planned. So. Let's unpack this moment. It's a beautiful moment. He's traveling. Jericho is on the way to Jerusalem. He's traveling through Jericho. It's, part of, it's, an, it's an Israelite city at that stage. And we have Zacchaeus, who's not just a tax collector. I don't know, those of you who were here last week, remember that tax collectors are not, they're not popular. They, they are the, they're not the how to make friends and influence people. People, they're the other kind. And because they, they take in money for the state. So there were Jewish tax collectors. 
you also had to pay Jewish tax, but that you did at the temple. These guys are taking your money that you have left after you've paid the temple. They're taking that as well. And let's be honest, most of them probably didn't just take what they needed to take, what Caesar demanded, because they need to keep themselves up. So they asked a little extra. And we hear that Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which means he wasn't just one of those guys, he was the chief in charge of those guys. So in terms of unpopularity that made him shoot through the roof and past the atmosphere, he's very, very unpopular. Some people would say it's justice that he's very, very short, which is a very bad joke to those people who are very, very short. <laughs> I'm very sorry, that's very unfair. <laughs> And, well, short because lots of people who are short say they, um, is it, are we allowed to say, because Klein-Manneke syndrome doesn't translate, is it short person syndrome? Is that something I can say? Thanks, Dinda. Dinda as a short person has given me permission. <laughs> so, you can imagine the scene. Jesus is passing through. Everybody knows who Jesus is by now. So the crowds gather. And you know how crowd, crowds are. You just want to make sure you're in front. So you've got this very tiny man who's trying to see over them. And if they do realize he's behind them, they're like, oh, but that's Zacchaeus there. <laughs> and then they ignore him and look on. So he is really desperate. He's so desperate that he decides to climb into a tree so that he can see this Jesus guy. Because he's heard a lot of, about him. He wants to see him at least. And the amazing moment which is also a very, it could have worked out in quite a few ways, is he's hanging onto the tree. He sees, ah, oh, Jesus is coming, which sounds like a song. <coughs> I think there is a song like that. Never mind. So he sees Jesus is coming, and he's excited. He's like, okay, I can see him at least. And when Jesus gets under the tree, he stops, looks up, and says, Zacchaeus, so he knows his name. Zacchaeus, I need to come and stay at your house tonight. If it were me, I might have fallen out of the tree at that point <laughs> and ran away. So it's, it's risky on so many levels because you've got Jesus, who is a religious leader. We know he wasn't very, he wasn't very bothered about his honor. His disciples were much more bothered about his honor than he was. So he keeps on throwing his honor away. But this is a very high point to do that because he's in a procession. People are... They're not doing their whole thing that like they all do in Jerusalem, but they're welcoming him. They're, you're fantastic, you're great. And he stops to talk to a tax collector, a chief tax collector in a tree, and tell him, please come down, because I need to come and stay with you. That's throwing away all of your honor. That's kicking it like you would kick a good goal. And it's also risky, because Zacchaeus could just as well have said, could have ignored him, or said, or ran away, fell out of a tree and <laughs> ran away. And that would have, so he's reaching out. That's risky to reach out, to say, Zacchaeus, come down. I, wanna, I have to come and stay with you. He could have been rejected and that would have made it worse. But Zacchaeus, luckily, um, knows how special this is. He gets down, he's very excited, and he, I'm sure he runs ahead on his stumpy little legs. <laughs> because he wants to get the house ready. And as happens with feasts, I'm sure that yes, the disciples begrudgingly joined because Jesus was going, so they had to. 
But obviously other tax collectors also came and had dinner. So this was a feast of unholiness. If you were a Pharisee or another, another religious leader, looking into that, that would have, imagine the worst scene possible. That's that. The shock, the horror. There's Jesus, who some people are saying is the Messiah. And he's eating with all of these horrible, horrible people. But what is beautiful about the moment? Jesus just says, please come down. I need to stay with you tonight. They have a meal. People judge him, from the, as people do. We were born to judge. But what happens that is so beautiful? Jesus doesn't tell him, if you do A, B, and C, before I come and eat with you, then I will come and eat with you. But in his hospitality, in his being there, what happens? Zacchaeus feels inspired and goes and says, you know what, I might have, I am rich, I might have taken a lot from the poor, and I think I'm going to give half of that back. But he feels even more inspired than that, because that's already a very good deed to do. He says, okay, so if I'm really honest, I might have cheated one or two or seven people out of some extra money. I'm going to give that back, how many times? fourfold which logically means Zacchaeus is not going to be very rich for very long but that is the impact that Jesus' love and attention has not because he's preaching at Zacchaeus or because he has a list of things Zacchaeus has to do because he's with Zacchaeus so that's why that's why Francois Tonight is about the kingdom of God, is about looking up. Because Jesus had to look up to see Zacchaeus in the tree. Does that mean we now have to be walking, only looking up, looking at trees? No, please, that's going to be dangerous. And we don't have the insurance to cover all of you. What does it mean? It means we need to be present in each moment. Jesus was present enough to realize in all of that crowd, that there was a man in a tree. He could just as well have done what all of us would do in a crowd and kind of put our blinkers on and just try to walk through. Or what we do in life, because we do, sometimes we do notice people, but we don't want to notice them. So we just ignore them. It's so interesting. We love talking about what would Jesus do? That was a big thing a few years ago. It's not that big anymore. I think it's starting to become big again, if I remember. You're starting to get bands and things again. But ironically, most of the time, the what would Jesus do question pops up when it's about would he swear, would he go into that bar, would he wear those clothes, those kinds of things. It's never about would he talk to that person, would he... Um, and when it's about would he go into that bar, would he then I have to say, I think we love, want the answer to be no, but I think the answer would be yes, he would be going into that bar. Because it's very easy for us, because we're so far removed from the context. We think about, even if you think about a sinner, and I tell you that a tax collector was somebody that was unclean, so you, 
you didn't dare to go near them because then you couldn't go near God because you were unclean. We still have that removal. So, okay, it's the Pharisees and Sadducees that they say, this is a very sinful person. I'm trying to see the picture. But I want you to imagine people that you, because it's different for all of us, people that you find utterly disgusting. And they're going to be different for all of us because lots of us, when I say we need to, when I get to the next, which we're not going to go to yet, when I get to the next thing, you might say, but I, I'm fine with loving black people, helping build churches and poor communities, taking food. But you might not be that fine with that Africana guy who lives next to you, who is a horrible, racist, chauvinist, etc., etc., etc. And then we have to remember that those guys, the way you feel about whoever you're thinking of, think of those people. There are people who disgust you, who irritate the living daylights out of you. Those people were the people that Jesus sat and ate with. That guy was the guy that Jesus called from the tree. It's shocking, can Jesus call a racist, chauvinist, awful man? Yes, he can, he does. Will he eat with him? Yes, he does. Which means that when we talk about the gospel and what the gospel is and what kingdom time is and what love Jesus, love others means, then we, it's about being present in the moment, but with being present, being open to see the people around us. Whether they disgust us or not, and being willing to engage. And that is a very. Remember the risk that Jesus took. He's in a crowd full of people. He's looking up at this very small guy who nobody likes and talks to him. That's a very risky thing to do. But he doesn't mind putting himself on the line or his ego on the line. We're a little bit more afraid of our own ego. Our egos, they're a little bit more fragile. But we shouldn't be. And that's where I want to take us to what Nick said last week. And since we're so hashtag cool and awesome and trending, we're going to go on to the next thing, which is what he, yes, which is what he also talked about, which ironically you can't do like that to have a hashtag. You have to write out equals, otherwise it's not one hashtag. But it's about hospitality. Hospitality equals salvation. See, I can do math as well. And that hospitality is not only, yes, it's about eating together, which is a very intimate thing to do. Jesus loved doing that. He was also always eating with the wrong people. He sometimes ate with the right people as well. Um, he was always eating, but it's not just about eating. Hospitality in the first place is about being recognized, being seen. We've, we saw it. I mean, for Mark Zuckerberg to say, thanks to the church because you did these things, now we'll do it. We here as a community, we're supposed to be doing it. And the irony is, and we talked about this at, this, at Sal, the third place has a Sal, by the way, if you want to join some Thursdays then Marguerite is the person to talk to. You can swamp her afterwards. Don't climb on trees or something like that. Just stay there. 
So we were talking about it at Cell, um, how how really difficult it can be for us, even at in this space, to reach out to each other. You'll see someone new, and you just get your coffee and talk to the person you know. And if there's nobody you know, then you'll just drink your coffee and look meditative. Even in this space, it's the irony is we all of us want connection. We desire connection. We want to be part of something. That's why we're here. But we're so afraid to reach out. And I have bad news. If we can't do it here, then boy... And boys and girls, have we got problems trying to do it outside? Because this is a safe space. We're, we're not supposed to clap you if you come and say, hi, my name is... Well, in Baron's case, he thought I said, hi, my name is Aaron, which is not what I was doing. So even if you do it like me, which is totally awkward, they're not going to clap you. They're just going to think, okay, you're a little bit awkward, and then they're going to go and go on talking to you. This is a safe space. And we're not getting it right here. Um... Well, yes, I think we do have a little bit of a sense of a community, but as somebody who was new at the beginning of the year, um, all of you have been new once, some much less longer than others. As somebody who is new, it can feel like a closed space because you've got your people that you talk to or don't talk to. And we, I just realized that I need to change that. If I don't want it to feel closed, I need to change that. We need to change that. And if we can start doing that here and having real open community, then it becomes so much easier because then you see you're not going to explode, they're not going to explode, nothing awful is going to happen. It might be a little awkward at first, but that's also okay. We just move through the awkward. Life is about awkward. If you're living it correctly, then it's almost always awkward. So move through the awkward and get to the community, get to the, uh, get to the hospitality, the open heart, the seeing each other. Because then we're a true community of caring. And people who, and then, I, I hope, you'll start bringing your friends, who you're, you may not be bringing now because you might think they might feel, <laughs> they might feel left out. So, and then bring them, and we'll make them feel welcome, and we'll make the community bigger and more love and we can, that can lead to more sharing. I want to end off with a song that is not a gospel song. <gasps> um, in fact, a song that's from Damien Rice. <gasps> but it's a beautiful song because it's, it's the gospel. It starts with a confession because I'm, I know as I'm speaking as I'm doing this that I don't always measure up I don't always I don't always say hi when I should and we we might get into intellectual debates about when is it the right time and who is the right person it's always the right time it's always the right person we know that so Confession is a good thing. Confession towards God, towards each other, that we don't always get it right. We might have the best of intentions, but that God forgives and says, but come, come anyway, come however you are. 
what we need to remember and what I pray that we really remember that we don't forget this is that as much as this is about us and as much as as special as that grace feels when you have done the confession and you get to the come that's how God feels about everybody even those people who disgust you so that song is talking to you but it's also talking to them and you're supposed to be saying your life is supposed to be saying to those disgusting people as well which is very difficult come come as you are will it will you stay that way if you are surrounded by God's love not necessarily Zacchaeus didn't stay that way and Jesus hadn't even done a big speech to him they just ate together and he shared his love and Zacchaeus immediately turned around will it happen necessarily like it happened with Jesus and Zacchaeus in the first meal no it won't but that's also okay so yes all of that listen to the song may it be a prayer may it also inspire you when you to make you aware of people around you Thank you for allowing us to come. Thank you that even though we are far from perfect, even when our greatest plans from the best of our intentions fail, you are still one that welcomes us, that embraces us with your love, not just forgives us, but accepts us completely. We need to ask your forgiveness again, Lord God. Jesus actually made it so simple for us. We just need to follow his example. And yet it is so very, very difficult. Because we have things like comfort zones and egos and people we don't want to go near. Forgive us that we so easily forget how much we needed your grace, your hospitality, your love. How much we still need it every day. And Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, give us, give us your eyes. Give us your courage. So that we not only accept the wonderful things that we've heard, that we may come just as we are because we are welcome and we are loved, but that we will live that welcome. Help us to be open, to be aware, to be looking up and around so that we do not miss the people around us. All of us want to be recognized, and none of us want to see. Forgive us for that and help us with that. 
Thank you for giving us Jesus Christ, for giving us the picture. Help us in this week, especially as a start, to remember that picture every day when we stand up, to remember the song, to make sure our hearts are welcome, open spaces, generous spaces, even for those we would rather not associate with. What a wonderful thing to be able to say we know you, we love you. Even more wonderful, you loved us first. We are here because you loved us. You reached out to us. You called us, we might not have been in a tree, all of us might not be short, but you called us. All the same, first. Give us courage. Inspire us, give us passion. Help us to live in such a way that it's not just hashtag hospitality equals salvation, but our lives are a witness to that. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus Christ, the one who saved us. Amen. Thanks, guys. We hope to see you here next week in the morning and then after that in the, off in the evenings again, Dinda. Did I state that clearly enough? Good.